This is George Conner of the Chicago Bears. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is all about the Chicago Bears' defeat of the New York Giants. Actually, that's a it's a bold-faced lie. This episode is sort of framed around the Bears' de- recent defeat of the New York Giants. It was recorded on the Tuesday after the Bears game, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving of 2019. And uh, it's with Martin Plant, who's been on this show multiple times to talk about the Chicago Bears. And of all of our NFL season podcasts, this is the least to do with football. It's one of my favorites, and it's mostly to do with uh, where Martin is from, Stoke-on-Trent. So I like it. I hope you do, too. Before we begin, two anniversary shows are coming up Friday, December 6th, at the Wonderland Ballroom in Washington, D.C. Washington Post music critic Chris Richards will be there, along with my favorite live, loud local band, Teen Mortgage. And then on Thursday, December 26th, we return to The Hungry Brain, my favorite place to do the show in the whole wide world in Chicago, Illinois, for our 11-year anniversary show. Without further ado, here's Martin Plant and I. Uh, the Chicago Bears, the New York Giants, Stoke-on-Trent, Chicago, Detroit, Pittsburgh, and more. Is it like alcohol addiction? Should we not be willing to talk about it? No, no, no. Things? I was not referring to Stoke and alcohol addiction. <laughs> is it okay? Number one, is it okay for me to call it Stoke? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In England, we don't usually do the whole triple place name thing. That's just what it's called. Everything in England is usually on a river. Okay. And so that's what its full name is. Like Shakespeare was from Stratford upon Avon, but nobody calls it that. It's just Stratford. You know what I mean? Like nobody goes the whole river part name. It's just. So you're from Stoke on. From, so you're from Stoke on Trent, but I could just say Stoke. Correct. Yeah, it is a place called Stoke, which is on the River Trent, but its full name is Stoke on Trent. Yeah. Okay. You shared something. I don't know, pretty much anything about where you're from, but you just shared something from unheard. U N H E R D Stoke, the city that Britain forgot, and I read it. Yeah earlier this week and it made me think a lot about uh history clearly and uh why people vote the way they vote and how people feel the way they feel about things that Mm -hmm. in theory shouldn't matter or they should only care about things that benefit them does this make sense yes very much so okay so is it fair to say stoke isn't the best financially secure city in the united kingdom i mean it's arguably the worst i i i I believe the last thing I read was they did a poll of the, the poorest places in Northern Europe. So not just England, but, mm-hmm. you know, Northern Europe. So the, 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 your basic Scandinavian countries, France, Germany, Spain, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was the seventh poorest place in Northern Europe. So it's, it's by far and away economically terrible. And it definitely voted pro-Brexit. Very much so, yeah. And it seems like your upcoming election, your, the upcoming elections it's not exactly clear how they're going to vote. Correct. And based on this article by John Litchfield, you shared this, so I'm assuming you enjoyed this article. Yeah. I I found it to be one of the most relevant things written about where I'm from in a very long time, because normally a lot of the things you read about it are, in the same way you read about some places in the Midwest, they're more like fascination pieces, if that makes sense. Somebody Mm -hmm. goes there and goes, is this place as bad as it seems? And they go, oh, actually, you know, I got a decent breakfast here, and the people were kind of nice. And yeah. You know what I mean? They're not really getting any substance. They're more like almost trying to mock it. It's like, is this as shit as it makes out that it is? Sure. Um, but this was, yeah, it was a very well-written, eloquent article from a guy who was born there, same as me. And uh, he, he articulated the mood very well. He, he put a lot of things into context 
without being too biased one way or the other, which is another thing that nearly every form of journalism suffers from is, you know, some form of bias. But it was good. It was a very well-written piece, I felt. Now, I didn't know this, but a lot of the development in Stoke uh, in the past few years is because of the EU. It's not funded by the United Kingdom specifically. It's funded by the EU. Yes. So the way the EU works is essentially you, like the country pays into it. All countries pay into it like a giant sort of socialist nightmare pot. And then what happens is they take this money and then they redistribute it to the places that need it the most in Europe, of which Stoke is a very, very large, you know, beneficiary. It needs that money because it doesn't have all the industry went, all the industry. It was a majorly a, a pottery industry town. It was ceramic wares, plates, figurines, all things that were made in mines there as well, which was the big industry was mining and then using those things because they're right in the ground there and turning them into, you know, thousand dollar pieces of art. And then in the 80s, you had Margaret Thatcher who came along and completely abolished mining, which killed the industry. And so when you take the industry away from a town that that's been the industry for a hundred years, for a start, you have a, a giant cusp where everybody over a certain age, that's all they know how to do. That, you know what I mean? That's their skill set. That's what they've been doing for 50 years. It's like if there's a giant economic swipe in 40 years and IT becomes completely irrelevant because computers are no longer relevant. We've moved on to the next thing. And people who went to college and have spent the last 40 years in IT and can tell you everything about IT are kind of screwed. Are they going to relearn something else at, you know, 61? Or are they just going to go, oh, well, I guess I live on benefits now. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess I just kind of write it out and and stuff like that. So that that's really what happened to Stoke. But yeah, the EU is much more of a beneficiary to uh, Stoke than it is a hindrance by by a sizable margin. And even so, uh, people in Sto this article pretty much says that similar to a lot of the states that Trump won in the U.S., uh, it doesn't matter who did what for it. It doesn't matter what the federal government did. I'm still anti-big government or I'm still anti-establishment, therefore I'm going to vote for Trump, therefore I'm going to vote Brexit, even though that might not be the best thing for me because it feels like I won. Right, exactly. Now, but the thing is, is that, sorry, Karen. No, please, please, please. Now, do you feel that, that that's probably the biggest leap that the author of this, John Litchfield, makes, the I feel like I won. Do you feel... Do you feel like the people that voted for Brexit from Stoke-on-Trent, do you think that they feel like they won? I realize this is a convoluted way to think. Is his opinion correct in your point of view? It's tough because it hasn't actually happened. Okay. So a lot of people are all for it and ready for it. and Like you say, it swims in the face of what even the benefits of the people there would be. But it's more that feeling that, like, so the way Brexit was portrayed was a lot of like, this is what the little man wants, which is a lot of how a lot of things are portrayed world over, when really it's not the case. When something's portrayed as like, this is for you and the guy who works in the street, and the guy who has three jobs and that person who gets up at 6 a.m. every day, to, you know, work their fingers to the bone at a, at a very low, you know, a very like low class job because that's what they think everybody is, you know. But it's not. It's really like it benefits higher ups. It benefits very wealthy people. It benefits people for tax breaks and stuff like that. But sure. they get enough people on side, and then it seems like it's the little guy taking on Goliath kind of thing. So there's definitely an element of that. There's definitely that thing of kind of like, we're going to get it back to the old days. Like, but that's a weird belief. And it was exactly the same with the Trump campaign. The, the Brexit and the Trump campaign, the, the parallels are very, very similar. It's almost like a flat plane. 
honestly. No no one's doubting that. The only difference is we're not here to talk about Brexit or the United States 2016 election, even though they're both going to impact both of our lives indefinitely. Uh, Quick aside here, which should not be an aside, which should actually be the thesis for everything. I am now convinced that the American public will talk about the 2016 election the same way the American public still talks about the Civil War. There's still going to be half the country that thinks it wasn't about slavery. There's still going to be half yeah. the country that doesn't think that Russia matters. Well, of course, because the country's completely divided down the middle. And that's depressing. Back to football. So <laughs> you said two <laughs> things about this that, and this is the reason why I want to talk about it is because the 100 years of the NFL and Sunday's game of the Giants versus the Bears at Soldier Field was a very, like, quote-unquote, historic game from two storied franchises. It was not a great game, but... You yeah. said, what are the IT workers going to do when they're like 61 and it's all they know how to do? And you also mentioned the weird belief in feeling like you won even though you lost. And those are the things that I wanted to focus on because why are we watching football in general, period? Because we, we all know it's bad for us. We all know that um, none of this is good. Why are we, are we doing something that's actually against our own interest? Now, I don't, I'm not saying that it is. I would actually posit for the first time in a long time that football is just a good thing, net positive thing. But we are choosing to root for a franchise that has a storied history in a game with a storied history, and it's not always good, and there are multiple other teams that we could choose. I don't understand that. That's what I wanted to explore. The notion of like the the notion of of leaving of like abandoning ship and and getting yourself onto like a better class of life or something like exactly. that. Exactly. You left Stoke. I left Chicago. Yet you you chose the Bears. I'm from the Bears. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm a part of this team whether I like it or not. But I don't have to be. Just part of my brain always will feel like a part of that team. And I'm assuming you're always going to feel like you're from Stoke because you are. Oh, yeah. You're going to feel like it's a part of you, even though you don't live in the United Kingdom. Well, of course, because, like, I mean, it's nature and nurture. Like, all these things shape you. Like, you probably grew up with the Bears before you even knew what loyalty was or what it, before you even probably knew what emotions were. Somebody went, this is the thing. This is the thing that we like. I mean, was your dad a Bears fan? Was your, Here's your, the thing. Your... Never had a dad. Never met my dad. And that's okay. another reason why I'm so drawn to this game. I was uh, always good at sports, and when I say sports, I just mean like the classic American sports. I was really yeah. good at all of them. Never had a dad. I had a grandfather who loved me very much. He was a steel worker. <laughs> he would fit mm-hmm. in at Stoke. Um, yeah, he absolutely was. He um, he was like the greatest role model slash failure not to do this because <laughs> from zero to thirteen, could not have had a better grandfather. Then his wife died, my grandmother. Mm-hmm. His whole everything went to shit. Uh, he became a huge alcoholic. He tried to like mm-hmm. hit us a bunch, and by us, I just mean me and my mom. But I was by that point, I was thirteen, fourteen. I was bigger than him, right? So mm-hmm. I was really able to defend myself. Like nothing hit, nothing landed, and I just kind of felt sad for the old drunk man who used to be mm-hmm. literally the strongest man I knew. And then I got to see that devolve. He was the guy. We would watch football every Sunday. We would pl- he would hit me baseballs after work from working uh, in steel and like. His hands were like the classic, his hands were like mitts. Like, it was nuts. Anyways, because I played uh, alone all day, I threw a ball at a wall against a middle school literally every day of my life from like zero to ten, and it was like all I did. I became really great at sports, and I was better than almost all the kids with dads, right? 
So yeah. that's how I've always approached sports. Not even as the thing I love, but just being like, I'm fucking better than you. All men suck, which is a weird thing <laughs> to have in your brain. And then um, I've talked about this more than a dozen times. Like it's the day I got uh, Smashing Pumpkin Siamese Dream was the day I quit football. And the day I got Nirvana's in utero was the day I quit all sports and was like, fuck it, I'm doing bands. And only in retrospect, about 10 years later, did I realize like, nope, there's just as many, if not more horrible people in the arts than there are in sports. I should have never stopped with sports. Yep. I mean, your, your, your thing with that, though, is do you separate the art from the artist? No, fuck no. Now, you should never separate. You should never, ever, ever separate. Because what? Because there's so much great art, and if, you're, and if you do separate the artist from the artist, you'll be like, oh, I, I got to watch the entire Woody Allen catalog. But if you don't separate, you're like, fuck Woody Allen, I'm moving on. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of other amazing directors and amazing pieces of art that I can now incorporate. There's just not enough time to consume all that is great. And if we just throw away all the bad folks, it doesn't matter how great their art is. You could find equally great art elsewhere. That's why. I don't believe the last part. I don't believe that you can find equally as great art from some, like, I, I believe that certain people just have that, like whatever it is, whatever their field is, whatever their skill set is, they have that. And it's a level above what other people can usually achieve. Like you wait for the next person of that caliber because it's not that case that there's 10 behind them. I, I respectfully um, disagree. Here's why every single player in the national basketball association right now, hell let's do the NFL. That makes way more sense. This is about the bears. Every single player in the NFL right now is better than every single player that played in 1969 and every single player that played in 1979 and definitely better than every single player that's played in the first year of the NFL. Would you agree with that? Likely? Yes. Okay. Therefore, what are you going to like make an Eddie Pinheiro joke or something? So no, no. I mean, there, there, there are just going to be, there just are two, like everything should be fair. Everything you say and everything you, you try to do, you should try your, well, for me anyway, I shouldn't mm-hmm. tell, I'm not the what to do, but for me, I want to try and be as accurate as I can. And so if I go, yes, unequivocally, sure, nobody sure, sure, who's sure, played sure. football since 1969 is any better than fucking Rex Grossman. You know Understood. what I mean? Like, Understood. I'm, I'm just trying to be fair. Where yes, I think likely yes, with the skill of the game and the pace of the game, and with the evolution of people getting stronger and fitter and healthier, exactly. then yes, it is likelier, much severely likelier, that people playing the game now are of a higher skill set than people playing it 30 years ago. And I However, believe the yes, same is true in all art, because you don't throw away the old art. You learn from the old art, and you create something better that's been informed by the old. That's it. It's that simple. Every single day is better than the last if you want it to be. And I realize this is like very John Lennon, war is over if you want it to be. And I'm okay with that. That's kind of what I'm getting at. We don't. We are losing less and less every year thanks to technology and thanks to everything else. I'm talking to you via a microphone that would have cost, uh, I don't know, $1,000 a decade ago, two decades ago, and wouldn't even existed 40 years ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a great yeah. thing. Everything is that if you want it to be. Therefore, you could incorporate that stuff that was maybe made by the best people, but now it's going to be made by better people because we know about horrible people and we don't want to be horrible people anymore. It's a choice. It is, but also, okay, so two, two points to that. First and foremost, in the belief that everything is better, which would you say is a finer piece of art? Uh, the song Dirty by Christina Aguilera or The Planet Suite by Holst? Like, fine piece of classical, like... Still used, Mars, I believe, is used for, like, every 
you know, Super Bowl, big sporting events, like classical pieces. Oh, I would rather music. hear. I would rather hear "Dirty" nine out of ten times. Really, "Dirty's a song of the people." I know that sounds crazy, but if it's I'm, a song of the it's a song for the people. If I'm a kid learning, it's like trying to make a song. If I'm if I'm just picking up a guitar or drums or a synth or a computer, I could probably make "Dirty" within a year, and I cannot make that sweet in a decade. And What's going to scratch that pop itch? I'm going to go with Christina Aguilera's Dirty. Also, that song is sex positive, and I like when Red Man gets money. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Dirty by Christina Aguilera every single time without apologizing. Now, does the other piece belong? Absolutely. But that's not a common man piece. I want the common man piece. I come from my favorite music is garage rock. That's the most basic, simple art form there is when it comes to music and there's to me nothing wrong with it all the beauty comes from that probably my favorite band as an adult is the stooges that's a bunch of fucking idiots no pun intended that are making the most beautiful powerful music that's incorporating industrial sounds not like industrial music but industrial sounds from blue collar michigan by the way stoke and detroit sound a hell of a lot alike moving on that's yeah i'm pittsburgh Oh, yeah, but Pittsburgh is way nicer than Detroit. Have you ever been to Pittsburgh? Have you been to Detroit? Yes. Oh, yeah, I've been to, I've been to both. And, I mean, yeah, Detroit. The thing is, Detroit does still have industry. They're getting bailed out. Pittsburgh doesn't have industry anymore. There's, there's ketchup and there's Permanente Brothers sandwiches, and that's Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh also has way more education. Like, Detroit is Wayne State, but Pittsburgh has way more institutions like that, and it's gorgeous. It's a, no, it's a cool town. Like I really enjoy Pittsburgh when I go, and I have nothing at all against Detroit. But like no, you can great. tell the pe- you can tell the people don't care about Detroit. The people from Detroit care, but the people in charge of Detroit don't care about Detroit. So, do you feel like Stoke has more in common with Detroit or Pittsburgh than Chicago? By a long shot, yeah. Stoke and Chicago are basically like the equivalent of like a blonde Argentinian supermodel and a guy who picks pennies out of the dirt in like Flint, Michigan. I don't. That's the. That's a pointless analogy because you could have just chosen someone from Chicago, but you went with and Stoke, but you went with two different nationalities. Here's the thing: there's there's like three people of merit from Stoke. Well, actually, four if you like history. But go ahead. Two of them moved when they were ridiculously young, although fantastic musicians. Uh, Slash from Guns N' Roses is from Stoke, mm-hmm. and Lemmy from Motorhead is from Stoke. Um. If you count people that stuck around longer, there is a guy called Robbie Williams who is huge in Europe, like Robbie arguably Williams the biggest. From Stoke. Yeah. Whoa. But like, arguably the biggest pop star on the planet. If you're not American, in which case his career never took off. And literally, the reason for this was so it was always told it was too easily confused with Robin Williams, and people wondered why that guy would be singing. That's not um, not right. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's right. But uh, the other one is the guy who invented the Spitfire, Reginald Mitchell, who invented uh, the Spitfire planes that won a lot of, basically won England the uh, the Second World War. First cool. War? First World War. Chicago has uh, Bo Diddley, and he, uh, he pretty much created rock and roll. And that, anyways, uh, yeah. do you feel like you should maybe be rooting for the Lions or the Steelers because you're from Stoke? No, because that's, it's a different thing. I have to root for Stoke because I'm from Stoke. You know okay. what I mean? Like that's 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 what you get. Like any anywhere you're from. So one thing I will say, I think this fits really well into the point that you're making, and I think it's much broader. And I think it really separates good areas from bad areas. 
Um, and I think, like you say, there's always a progression. Like footballers 40 years ago are not as good as they were today. Things 40 years ago were not as good as they were today. Medicine, people, music, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I think that's your job as the next generation. So you should be a better person than your parents were. Oh, yeah. You should have more free thought and more caring and more concern. You should want better things. You should work harder. Your son should do the exact same thing when he grows up and want to be better than you and better than this time. And yeah. better than... But I think that's what separates good and bad areas is I think people who are looking to the future and trying to make progress and to fix things and to build and to help and to repair, that's how you get better places. And when you get shitty places, it's because people are trapped in this idealistic notion of the past that doesn't exist because you can't unfry things, Jerry. You know what I mean? It doesn't work that way. Like okay. you can't ever Perfect. So what are the twenty nineteen Chicago Bears doing? Are they looking back and trying to relive the eighty five season again and watching Walter Payton highlights, or are they trying to build, help, and repair to make twenty twenty better? Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. I don't think they're doing either. Okay, so what the fuck are they uh, doing? I wish I could tell you. I really do. Like, I mean, you're I have no faith in the coach. No. The coach I so that is that the consensus right now that the Bears' biggest problem is not Mitchell, it's not the kicker, but it's the head coach? It's never the kicker. For anybody's team, it's never the kicker. You, the kicker is like a clutch moment thing, but if your offense is better and your defense is better, things don't usually come down to last-minute kicks. Of course, but they do um, quite a bit. They do. They absolutely do, and you do need a decent kicker. But if you lose a game on a field goal, it's not really like, God damn, like the kicker. It's like, it's a team loss at that point for me. Uh, well, you um, and me, page. Like, that's not sports radio, though. Yeah. That's the majority. No, it's not. It's, come on. That's the entire offseason for the entire Chicagoland area was based around if that guy only made that kick in that game, everything would be golden, which is a fucking lie. <laughs> it, <laughs> of course. But like that's, that's human nature, though. If he makes it, we don't analyze anything, and he still plays for it. Like, fair. Like, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Like, you know, people like gambling. Like, gambling is a giant thing where people have that kind of mentality all the time. People walk into a casino, they'll put $1,000 on something, and they'll go 1000 on red, and then it'll go black. And they go, God, I was going to do black. You know what I mean? Like, it's, sure. it's, just a nat- it's just a natural thing. When something doesn't go your way, you just replay in your head all the things you could have done differently. Like, if you end up breaking up with someone that you've been in love with for years and you do something stupid, all you're going to do is sit alone in your bed and over and over again, replay like, God, I shouldn't have said that. or Okay. So which leads back to you and the bears. Do you wish someone took you to a different first NFL game? No, I I like the bears. I like, I like that fact. So with Stoke, right? Stoke, we're not good for a really long time, like a really long time. I remember going to a game as a kid, and one of the things in England they have is called the FA Cup. Now, the FA Cup basically, it moves leagues around. So what it does is it's all the teams that play football get to be involved in it. So that goes from, like, Manchester United and Manchester City at, like, the top of the top of the top, all the way down to, like, people who, like, play on weekends. Like, they're actually, like, their job is they're mostly, like, plumbers and electricians. But they get together every Sunday and put up enough money to form a team. So you get these giant, like, golf in-class games. And I remember as a kid, Stoke played Chelsea, 
at Chelsea, and we were two and a half divisions behind them, and we beat them one to nothing, and it was maybe the greatest sports game I've ever been to up until like at that point. And because the whole atmosphere was we knew we shouldn't really have won that game, but we won that game. And there's such a sweetness in being the underdog when you actually get your turn. And I think that's what makes it go. I wouldn't want to be a Patriots fan for all the money in the world. That's not knocking Patriots fans. But, like, after a while, it, you're just mad when you lose because you win so much. Do you know what I mean? The, the, I the whole thing shifts. I do, but so hear me, when the Bears, hear me sorry, out. When the Bears get back to a Super Bowl, we're going to be happier people than any Patriots fans are when they watch them win, like, the fourth one. Yeah, but I still wish I was a Packers fan. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wish I wish we played football I enjoyed watching more. That's what I wish. I wish when I was watching games, it wasn't quite so cringy. Like, last year was great. Like, last year it was enjoyable. Like, it was like, oh, good. Like, whatever game we're going into, we got a decent chance of winning this. And we played well. And, like, I mean, did you – I don't suppose you watched any of the game last night, the uh, the Ravens and the Rams. No, I did not. Okay. The, the Baltimore Ravens are some kind of monsters right now. Like, they look incredible on, like, every single form. Like, Lamar Jackson is a next-level quarterback. Like, Patrick Mahomes and him are pretty much head and shoulders above everybody else playing right now. But their defense is fantastic. They have Mark Ingram as a run. Like, everything about that team is clicking. Like, they're easy Super Bowl contenders. Like, there's very few teams that are going to be able to beat them. But even though I'm not a Ravens fan, just, like, watching that game, I just had it on last night while I was getting stuff done. And, like, it was exciting football. Like, every play, they went on it and, like, fourth and four and fourth and one and made it both times. And he's wiggling out of plays and he's drilling 40-yard passes. And, you know, he's, he's running for 25 yards when he gets, like, pocket protection. It's, it was just good football. You were just like, yes, God. Like, and it makes you – it doesn't make me wish I was a Ravens fan. It just makes me wish the Bears were playing like that. Like when we're, I shouldn't be enjoying watching the defense play more than the offense. It's just kind of like a, an unideal psychological way to be playing a game. 